Hello, and welcome back to The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment with Gilda and Barbara. Today, we're doing a book study on A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, written by Eckhart Tolle, and we hope that you have your copy so that you can follow along. Today, we are on Chapter 2, Section 7, Ego, The Current State of Humanity, The Illusion of Ownership. My name is Barbara Wainwright, and I'm here with Gilda Sibani. Welcome, Gilda. Thank you. The illusion of ownership. To own something, what does it really mean? What does it mean to make something mine? If you stand on a street in New York, point to a huge skyscraper and say, that building is mine, I own it, you are either very wealthy, or you are delusional, or a liar. In any case, you are telling a story in which the thought form, I, and the thought form, building, merge into one. That's how the mental concept of ownership works. If everyone agrees with your story, there will be signed pieces of paper to certify their agreement with it. You are wealthy. If nobody agrees with the story, they will send you to a psychiatrist. You are delusional or a compulsive liar. It is important to recognize here that the story and the thought forms that make up the story, whether people agree with it or not, have absolutely nothing to do with who you are. Even if people agree with it, it is ultimately a fiction. Many people don't realize until they are on their deathbed and everything external falls away, that no thing ever had anything to do with who they are. In the proximity of death, the whole concept of ownership stands revealed as ultimately meaningless. In the last moments of their life, they then also realize that while they were looking throughout their lives for a more complete sense of self, what they were really looking for, their being, had actually always already been there, but had been largely obscured by their identification with things, which ultimately means identification with their mind. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? No inner baggage, no identifications, not with things, nor with any mental concepts that have a sense of self in them. And what is the kingdom of heaven? The simple but profound joy of being that is there when you let go of identifications and so become poor in spirit. This is why renouncing all possessions has been an ancient spiritual practice in both East and West. Renunciation of possessions, however, will not automatically free you of the ego. It will attempt to ensure its survival by finding something else to identify with. For example, a mental image of yourself as someone who has transcended all interest in material possessions and is therefore superior, is more spiritual than others. 
There are people who have renounced all possessions, but have a bigger ego than some millionaires. If you take away one kind of identification, the ego will quickly find another. It ultimately doesn't mind what it identifies with, as long as it has an identity. Anti-consumerism or anti-private ownership would be another thought form, another mental position that can replace identification with possessions. Through it, you can make yourself right and others wrong. As we shall see later, making yourself right and others wrong is one of the principal egoic mind patterns, one of the main forms of unconsciousness. In other words, the content of the ego may change. The mind structure that keeps it alive does not. It's tricky. It's tricky. The ego is really tricky. It's very subtle. And I think it's great when you have someone in your life that can help you point out when your ego is taking over. And I don't know that when we become enlightened, then we become the watcher of our thoughts. We can identify quickly whether the thought is coming from the ego or coming from the higher mind. And when the thoughts are coming from the higher mind, it's about compassion for others instead of judgment or trying to make somebody else wrong. So when we're coming from that place of the higher mind and we're coming from a place of compassion, we can look at people with a different viewpoint, with different eyes, if you will, and see them or their spiritual being from a compassionate place. And it's difficult when you have someone that is completely asleep, they're not awake, and they have no conscience, and they do things that are shocking to you because you are enlightened and, and they are not. And in those moments, it's difficult not to judge them. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you have to have a relationship with them or be in the same room with them anymore. You can move on and start connecting with people that are, if not enlightened, then are at least on the path to becoming enlightened. One of the unconscious assumptions is that by identifying with an object through the fiction of ownership, the apparent solidity and permanency of that material object will endow your sense of self with greater solidity and permanency. This applies particularly to buildings and even more so to land, since it is the only thing you think you can own that cannot be destroyed. The absurdity of owning something becomes even more apparent in the case of land. In the days of the white settlement, the natives of North America found ownership of land an incomprehensible concept, and so they lost it. 
when the Europeans made them sign pieces of paper that were equally incomprehensible to them, they felt they belonged to the land, but the land did not belong to them. The ego tends to equate having with being. I have, therefore I am. And the more I have, the more I am. The ego lives through comparison. How you are seen by others turns into how you see yourself. If everyone lived in a mansion where everyone was wealthy, your mansion or your wealth would no longer serve to enhance your sense of self. You could then move to a simple cabin, give up your wealth, and regain an identity by seeing yourself and being seen as more spiritual than others. How you are seen by others becomes the mirror that tells you what you are like and who you are. The ego's sense of self-worth is in most cases bound up with the worth you have in the eyes of others. You need others to give you a sense of self. And if you live in a culture that to a large extent equates self-worth with how much and what you have, if you cannot look through this collective delusion, you will be condemned to chasing after things for the rest of your life in the vain hope of finding your worth and completion of your sense of self there. And that is so true. And that reminds me like a few sections ago where I was talking about like, you know, back in high school, like you had to have like the right clothes, the right car, the right house, and like all those things. And if you didn't, then you probably weren't worthy in other people's eyes. But then that kind of leaves you in a delusional state because then you will be condemned to chasing after things for the rest of your life because you're hoping for that validation. Right. That is a really difficult road to go down, which is trying to find your self-worth through the eyes of others. I know that being good enough is a thing, but who are you being good enough for? (laughs) It's like good enough for yourself. You know what? We have a saying here, and that is do the right thing. As long as you keep doing the right thing, your self-esteem should be on par with enlightened ones. You know, as long as you're doing the right thing, you feel good about yourself. You feel good about what you've done. You feel good about your contribution to society. You feel good because you know you did the right thing. And I think that's powerful in and of itself. And what he says here is, if your sense of self-worth is tied to what other people think of you you're screwed yeah for sure (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh you know and if your sense of self-worth is tied to how much money you make or how much how many things you've collected over the years you're still screwed because in the end it doesn't matter so true just like the lady with the lost dream yes well for some reason it reminded me of a quote that i posted on facebook a few years back where it says 
It says, one day it just clicks. You realize what's important and what isn't. You learn to care less about what other people think of you and more about what you think of yourself. Yes. You realize how far you've come. And you remember when you thought things were such a mess that you would never recover. And then you smile. You smile because you are truly proud of yourself and the person you fought to become. And I think sometimes when you realize what's important and what isn't, and when you learn to care less about what other people think and more about what you think of yourself, then you are able to smile because you don't have that burden of trying to please other people. Like, you know that you're good and solid within yourself. Absolutely. And some people, you would never be able to please them. Oh, yeah, that is so true. And I know that because I have tried and tried and tried before. <laughs> right. It got me nowhere. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I just wanted to be approved. You know, I wanted to be seen as okay. And some people just will never give you that satisfaction of saying you are enough. That is so true. And I used to be one of those type of people that like cared about what other people thought. Like I had to have the right clothes and I had to have the right house and the right cars and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. when it all like, I guess, came crashing down at the end of the day, it was just me. I was like, wow, like none of this stuff actually does matter. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So true. How do you let go of attachment to things? Don't even try. It's impossible. Attachment to things drops away by itself when you no longer seek to find yourself in them. In the meantime, just be aware of your attachment to things. Sometimes you may not know that you are attached to something, which is to say, identified, until you lose it or there's a threat of loss. If you then become upset, anxious, and so on, it means you are attached. If you are aware that you are identified with a thing, the identification is no longer total. I am the awareness that is aware that there is attachment. That is the beginning of the transformation of consciousness. Interesting. I am the awareness that is aware that there is an attachment. Love that. I love that. I'm I am aware, speaking for myself, I am aware that I am attached to my computer. So because I'm aware that I have an attachment to my computer, the identification is no longer total. And all it takes is awareness. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. It's very interesting. I'm so grateful for my computer because it connects me to the world. It's the way I communicate with the world. And I love it. I love being able to connect with people all over the world through my computer. I'm grateful, super, super grateful that I have that capability. So I have to expand that and say, I'm grateful that I have Wi-Fi. (laughs) I'm grateful the internet exists. And I'm grateful for the people 
on the other end of the connections. I love that. And I love how you build it up because I do that too. Like I'll be in my car driving and I'll just be like thankful for my car. I'm like, thank you for this car that gets me where I need to go. And I'm like thankful that I have my job that I'm driving to, you know, and then I get Mm -hmm. to my job and I'm so grateful that I made it to my job and it just keeps going. So I love that you build up on that because I do too. And all of a sudden you just find all these things that you're grateful for. Like if you were to just keep doing that, like every step, it's like, whoa, you actually see how many things you can be grateful for when you do that. That is so true. It's a really good thing to become aware. That's again, right here. I am the awareness that is aware. So it's a it's really important, I believe, to become aware of everything that makes up your life, your beingness. And it's not a watch, it's not the car, it's not the computer, it's your inner beingness that is who you are. And what I love is when somebody does that, when somebody goes inside and checks out who they are and who they're being. And while they're in that meditative state, recognizes that they have a gift that they want to share with the world. And then they turn around and start taking steps to make it happen. That is exciting to me. Yes, I love that. It's beautiful. All right. Well, that's the end of this section. And I hope that you've gotten some value from this episode. I still look forward to seeing you next week. I hope you have a great one. Bye now. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to go deeper into a spiritual conversation, you can join our Facebook group, The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment with Gilda and Barbara. Or you can contribute by going to wainwrightglobal.com forward slash go forward slash support.